0: Hello and welcome to Illy's Coffee Talks. Season 3 is going to be about all my favorite topics, including slow living, inner work, entrepreneurship, creativity, spirituality, slow traveling and health. I am Ophelica Banero, your host. Enjoy the episode. Because in California, but in California, you were also seeing that, no, the, the back office a little bit. Yes. The other end of it.
1: Yes, but um, more so, you know, I was working for like, I've always worked for small businesses, but um, the majority and the chunk of a lot of my work teaching yoga in studio back home in San Diego was working for a company that actually got to be pretty big and became very corporate and was franchised. Mm -hmm. So it started to be this kind of whole other thing and seeing the back workings of that from a teacher perspective, it's not as obvious because you have so many different layers. Like, you know, there's corporate executives and then there's the whole sales team and it's really like hidden kind of in a way from like the day-to-day runnings of the studio. Whereas here, like at the looking glass, you know, this is just one location. It's one room. It's, it's very simplified. Um, so you are able to see, I think, you know, if you want to um, more how the business really mm-hmm. like runs Yeah, and that is really helpful. Like if I'm in a place in life where I'm, you know, even just testing the waters of yeah. like, I've always had that idea. I would love to have my own space. So actually, you know running the business of it versus being in the education of yoga Mm -hmm. is like two very different things. So, you know, a lot of times if you have a studio, you have to also really have a good Mm -hmm. business head on your shoulders if you want it to be successful and sustainable, which I think Kristen, for instance, like has without explicitly saying it (laughs) or making it obvious that she does to people, but she really does. Like she's smart. And how she would like run a business, Mm -hmm. you know, which is obviously why it's still Mm -hmm. here and I'm here teaching. So, yeah, having this opportunity to come here, especially after COVID, having a baby, leaving that kind of more corporate job situation in California, it, it has been such a nice... Way to come back into in person teaching, in studio teaching in a smaller space where I've been before and I know a lot of you guys, so I'm comfortable and we can like build our relationships Mm -hmm. off of like a a point that isn't zero Mm -hmm. and that I get to see a little bit of, yeah, like how it is to run a studio and it's like a lot of work. I mean, I already know that. Like, I don't envy Kristen for like all of the admin stuff that she has to do. And that I know she underpays herself to do. And a lot of that is, like, because that's just what she has to do. So what do you think
0: so far? Would you... Do you need more time to check it out a bit more? I think
1: so. And also because Kai, my little one, is still not even two years old yet. So I just think when you have a baby, those first Mm couple to few years are Mm -hmm. so all-consuming. And... At least, you know, that's not to say I haven't seen a lot of amazing moms just diving right mm-hmm. into even a new business project mm-hmm. with a really like a little, little one. Um, me, energetically, I'm not really sure if that's where I'm at. But I think in the next year or two or three, as he gets a little older, um, I would be. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine Now if there was another <laughs> baby, I feel like I would be fucked I don't know, but I don't know That's not on the plan immediately okay. right now So, like And who knows, right? We always think something And then when we're there yeah. in two, three years It's like totally different yeah. So, yeah, I don't feel ready right now To go open up my own space Necessarily um, I really love being here And that I'm able to lean on Kristen And I know she's leaning on me too mm-hmm. That's why I'm here um, that feels really nice and this is just a beautiful space so yeah um I feel really lucky really really lucky that I had this space to like land in Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. so just to tell people I mean I've done uh, other podcasts here but i always refer to the looking glass but just for people to know we're now recording at the looking glass we are it's a yoga studio and a bar studio as Correct. well
1: yes. we just added bar to the programming
0: tuesday morning thursday morning 10 30 yeah <laughs> plug and uh, it's at the rhine in basel Fellbergstrasse eins, 1 1 <laughs> in klein basel right uh,
1: yeah it's a beautiful place. It's beautiful space, and it's been here a long time. Yeah, right. Like probably ten, 10 almost. Years ago, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. almost ten years.
0: Yeah. So this in this it's Kristen Studio. Yes. And let's
1: introduce you as well. Okay. So I'm Kenna, and I come from California. I was originally born in like the San Francisco Bay Area. I basically grew up in Silicon Valley, and then. Immediately for university, as an adult, 18 years old, I moved to San Diego because I went to the University of California in San Diego, which is an amazing school, part of the University of California system. And I studied dance and sociology. So, like, if I'm talking about me, origin story, background, like I'm a dancer, that is what I did, you know, for for most all of my life and and still now in Mm -hmm. some capacities and also going back to more in the future. Um, But yeah, so I studied dance. I got my bachelor's. I also studied sociology because I just love, I'm not like a math science STEM person, although I see the beauty and the, the need of it. Especially in our ever-evolving technological society, mm-hmm. but I'm really more a person who likes people. I like ideas. I like language. I like concepts on how societies and, and structures filled with like complex people, how that all works. Mm-hmm. So sociology is kind of you know where I got the social sciencey side of my interest, which really. Lands in like the arts and the body, you know, dance, yoga, that kind of stuff. So I like that social science piece, and I feel like I still use it today in my job and in some respects, just working with people. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't want to like talk too 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 much about this background, but I guess just to give an idea of who I am, um, I found yoga really through dancing, and that was you know when I was like. Well, I had found it prior, but really mm-hmm. when I started to really, like, oh, this is a thing that I think I could do that I would really like. I was about, like, 19, mm-hmm. and I did a yoga for dancers w- workshop, mm-hmm. like a summer intensive at the university that I attended with a separate, like, private group, but um, that group, like, the, the leader of that group was a professor, basically, at the university. And all the professors used the university to do their, like... Um,
0: Experimenting.
1: Correct. Their <laughs> professional work, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which they get their grants for and things like that yeah. through the university. So I found yoga at about 19. Um, I actually went and studied abroad in Buenos Aires, Argentina when I was like 20, 21. And so I knew that I liked yoga and I was curious about it. So I wanted to find it there. And I found it and fell more in love with it. I always will remember Georgina, my teacher <laughs> in Buenos Aires. She like, she was an Ashtanga teacher and she did crow pose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, she is bad ass. Like I want to do that. You know, is it? Is it- no, at least I just, I didn't know how. And you know, mm-hmm. a lot of time dancers like we're so strong on the bottom especially let's say if you're like classically ballet oriented in modern contemporary dance we do a lot more floor work so there is much more upper body integration I would say in in terms of strength Mm -hmm. but um no, I mean my upper body, shoulder strength is something I have to really work on a lot. And um, so, seeing her do crow pose was so inspiring for me. And also, obviously, I just like loved how yoga came really naturally in a way because I had the strength and the flexibility. I had the embodiment. I know how to use my body consciously. Mm-hmm. But yoga compared to dance was such a different way of using it. It was really like to go inward rather than to be outwardly expressive. Mm. So it was like this beautiful practice that I was like immediately obsessed with and felt was such a compliment to my dancing and was so rich that I was like, that is a whole world that I can spend my lifetime now diving into, which is what I've done, you know, (laughs) so, um, I came back from studying abroad, and I was like, I have to finish up my university degrees, yoga, like, oh my god, I'm gonna do a teacher training or something, and then I was working part-time at Lululemon, which is like every yoga teacher, every yoga teacher and their mother at that era, right? So I graduated in 04, is that correct? I'm sorry, 08. Um... Everyone in that era worked at Lululemon, I swear to God. Like, if you taught yoga, you worked at Lululemon. And this was when they were really expanding their stores in Southern California. So it was cool, actually, because we got to wear their clothes and go out in the community and take classes. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was the marketing for them. But they paid for us to go take classes. You know why it was so cool? Because I got to do all these different styles. And this was before I had landed in a teacher training. So I really got to sift. Through some different lineages and things like that, and like really home in on like, this is my vibe and this is what I want to study." What was it? It was Anyasara yoga. Mm-hmm. I also really liked Jiva Mukti, mm-hmm. which is what Kristen teaches, mm-hmm. right and Lou and is it also a beautiful practice. Also like Anyasara, though, has had its problems and flaws with being stuck in this classical patriarchal model in a way and in a different way than Anyasara and also I'm not going to like talk too much about that because I don't want to like talk too <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to talk about Anyasara and it on itself if you know the story like fuck you know the story but um, I, I found Anyasara Yoga and an amazing studio and an amazing teacher who to this day I count my lucky stars that that was the teacher that I originally trained with her name is Sherry Shrek. She's incredible. Um, she was really the epitome of what you would want in a teacher. Inclusive, compassionate, not at all like guru, kiss my feet, but just <laughs> commanding respect because she has the knowledge and the kindness and the wisdom. Um, an amazing teacher, you know? Like, And that really, I think, put me so solidly in my own two feet to start like a, a yoga teaching career. So I credit a ton for that. And so I thank Lululemon in a way. <laughs> no, you know, Lululemon
0: is amazing. Yeah. I mean,
1: they also have their own problems, right? Yeah. But, you know, like, take the it for what it is.
0: It's the best quality still. Yeah, totally. It's they true.
1: It's know? so true. And I still have, like, Lululemon leggings. From that, 10 years ago. Correct. Yeah. So... Same totally. Um <laughs> there are other good companies out there though like Tavi Noir and like Beyond Yoga but anyway. Um so that's how I got started and pretty much once I got started it was just like boom you're in mm-hmm. keep so going
0: started teaching Yeah.
1: Yeah, so all through my 20s, let's say, I was teaching yoga, I was building that part of my career. I was still dancing professionally. So I was going to the university for rehearsals. We were, um, performing locally in San Diego, but we were also touring. So I've done a lot of international travel to teach and to perform dance, Mm -hmm. contemporary dance, Mm -hmm. um, also teach jazz dance. Um, also at this time, bar was becoming a huge thing. So, Basically, I was at the yoga studio teaching, and I could say, oh, we're bringing bar classes because it's, like, really popular or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what is this? And then I go look at it, and I'm like, um, I can teach this, and yeah. I can teach it a lot better than this person who has no <laughs> dance experience yeah. is teaching it. Yeah. And you don't have to be a dancer to teach bar, but maybe it helps, and... As a practitioner, if you really want to do a bar class that 's really like actually grounded in dance technique, mm-hmm. you probably want to have somebody teaching it who has some idea of that and so ballet more or or any dance I think away? any dance i mean bar in particular really is coming from ballet, so you know I think ballet, but any embodied practitioner, even if they 're coming from the world of Pilates or strength training. But a dancer just sort of has built in like a sense of turnout, you know, a sense of, um, just the aesthetic and the technique Mm. is, is different. And like bar, we're not really going for aesthetic as much because it's not a performance. It's, it's more of a fitness class really, Mm -hmm. um, but, but are, yeah it's like, graceful right yeah. and you can you've done some bar classes with me mm-hmm. and you've done a several so you you know like it's you know that the dance is the background mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we're pulling Definitely. from that yeah so around this time when I was really developing my yoga career um, I was still dancing professionally I was also te- starting to teach bar so those are like my three worlds and I would say eventually, like, I mean, okay, so how do I say this? When I turned 30, well, actually, I turned 30 in Europe. So I got married at 29, mm-hmm. and then we went to Europe for that whole year of 2016. Mm-hmm. And so we lived in Italy that year, and I came up here to Basel a couple times. I went up to Germany a couple times, I went to Dubai. I led a For bar less. teacher training
0: oh. in,
1: I, Dubai. in Dubai, so cool, so cool. And I led a yoga retreat in Tuscany. I also taught yoga to teenagers in southern Italy, at a school. So I did a, tons of cool stuff. and that was my first real year, like not in America, like working abroad, living abroad. And I thought, oh my God, what the hell am I gonna do without my three classes a day teaching? And in, in retrospect, I actually did so much cool stuff that added to my capacity and my resume when I came back to America at the mm-hmm. end of 2016. And that was like hit the ground running time, basically. So, when did you get into ketona yoga? Okay, so that I got into at the end of 2019. So, let me go back a little, little bit. So, I started in Anusara yoga, and so that was, it's like a Hatha practice, which is really grounded more in tantric philosophy versus like classical, Patanjali-centered yoga sutras, everything kind of philosophy, um, So I was really teaching that. And then obviously, like most teachers know, like, okay, you do 200 hours. Mm -hmm. Great. That's nothing, basically. So what are you going to do next? So my next, and I took a few years. I didn't go right into, like, my 300. After my 200, I established, like, what does it look and feel like to teach for a while and really get my hands dirty. And then I went to India to do my 300-hour which gives me 500 hours. Mm -hmm. And so that was more of a vinyasa training. Mm -hmm. And it was still rooted in tantric philosophy. So all my yoga studies, for the most part, have been very tantric, which for me is a beautiful thing because it's a more feminine, balanced... Mm -hmm it's a little bit more about possibility and staying in your body and having this amazing human experience in your body, rather than trying to like get out and liberate from the body. Mm -hmm. That could be a whole podcast topic Mm -hmm. on its own. So I'll move on. But, um, so, you know, Hatha, Anusara, Vinyasa, and then, I was back in America at this point. Well, I went to India in 2015, and then we spent 2016 in Italy, and then we came back to America at the end of 2016, and then I was doing yoga therapy. Mm. Also, I I should mention I had studied yin. So I actually did my first yin training in Zurich in 2016 with Joe Barnett. Um, So I kind of also started my yin training in Europe, really, and I just fucking fell in love with that like immediately and still love it um so yoga therapy yin vinyasa hatha this is like a lot of different worlds Mm -hmm. that merge and i really like love all of them and have a hand and a foot in all of Mm -hmm. them and then there just does get to be this point okay i think for any teacher yoga practitioner and also before covid before the whole world blew up in vinyasa, in yoga in general, we were having a lot of conversations that were very frank and very important, I think, about alignment, technique, flow, you know, um, what does that look like and is this really helping or hindering practitioners because vinyasa is wonderful, but it's also very trendy and you have a lot of yoga teachers on the scene who are mediocrely trained Mm -hmm. or not trained enough. And you have a lot of bodies in a room and one teacher can only do so much, Mm -hmm. you know, with Mm -hmm. such little experience or training and so many different people and life experiences in front of them. So Mm -hmm. trying to fit all those people into one little model, Mm -hmm. um, is like impossible. And so, you know, and I just know this also from experience, like, a lot of practitioners we were really hurting themselves, like a lot. Doing this like up down, up down, in out, in, out flow, like vinyasa, chaturanga, like. So there were so many interesting conversations happening around that. And I was never of the mind of like, I want to get out of vinyasa, because I love vinyasa. I'm a dancer. So I appreciate rhythm, flow, seamlessness, connection. I love all of that but it's just like not the full story. And Mm -hmm. also knowing my origin is more like an a half a practice. It made sense for me to a discover Katona yoga and be like, this shit is weird. And this is very cool. (laughs) It's very cool. And there's so much material here that I can use in my current teaching and will also help me evolve Mm -hmm. as a person and as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I was at that point basically where I was like, okay, I am ready for something else. Because being a teacher in yoga is a life, lifelong learning, right? You're never done training, um, which is a beautiful thing. And I think that's like if you want to know where a good teacher is, you go to the teacher that is always still student themselves, mm-hmm. right? So Kristen had already discovered Katona Yoga at this point. I don't even know how she discovered it, honestly. I don't know. No clue. But she was already in it. And had already, like, told me some about it. And I remember she being like, and your foot. And this is, like, your basement. And this is, like, the mother. <laughs> I would, like, look at her and be like, oh, what? <laughs> like, okay, weirdo. What are you talking about? Um, but I love and respect Kristen so much. And I know how smart she is. So I know if she's into this stuff, I would probably be interested, you know? Um, and so... At the time, my husband was, I think this was when he would, yeah, he was in Norway training for his job, doing his things. So from San Diego back to Europe, that was happening for us in our marriage, going back and forth a little bit. So on one of those trips, I went to visit him and then I would stop through here mm-hmm. on like the way out or something. Mm-hmm. And... I think I made a special trip over to do Dejus' chair immersion Mm. in Kutoni Yoga in November 2019. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I went to Norway in April and September, and then I flew all the way back here to do that because then I was subbing a bunch of classes for Christmas because she was going on a holiday. So I subbed the classes as payment for my immersion. That was like our little trade situation. So that's how I discovered Kutoni Yoga was with Dejus, And it was a chair emergent. And how lucky and auspicious is that? Because first of all, Dejus is really, I mean, she's not like the, she's not like Naveen, the founder, but she's like literally like one of the first teachers really to go out into the world and share this material under like Naveen and Abby. So Dejus is an amazing teacher. She's just like a little older than me. She's like Kristen's age. Um, and she also is a dancer so she has a dance background she's super smart she's just like a feminist and so the way she spoke about katona yoga it was just like check 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 like down with the patriarchy let's like really look at you know universal archetypes which means you know these poses aren't male or female but they can really work for both you know depending on the approach um There was, you know, more like Chinese medicine theory, five element theory in there. So they kind of go more from the lens of like China versus India. Mm
0: -hmm. Like yin.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they don't explicitly ever say the word tantra, but the way they describe a lot of the Mm. philosophical stuff and the theory of Katona yoga for me really makes me think a lot about more tantric philosophy and how I've learned it over the years and also like that definition of yoga like what is yoga you hear it a lot it's union mind Mm -hmm, body mm -hmm. breath which is like beautiful and like kind of simplistic what I always learned it as in like my more tantric trainings is like yoga is skillful action for a desired result so katana yoga that I feel like that's what they talk about Mm -hmm. a lot it's like we're building skills and we're learning techniques mm-hmm. to be functional, to be um, substantial in the world. So that we can play well with others and really like go for what we want. Mm-hmm. So like... Mani- talk
0: of the vision. Th- yeah, about-
1: correct. And that's, that's like the manifestation, right? Like in a much better termed... Way, mm-hmm. I think it's not just like, oh, you meditate on it and then like poof it manifests because you <laughs> trust the universe. No, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, you trust yourself because you show up. And so you prove to yourself that like you're willing to put in the effort and the work for what you want. And you're also willing to be open to what comes out of it, which often doesn't exactly like look and align with what you thought it might be, but hence something always comes out of your efforts, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, that's when I discovered Katona yoga. And the other interesting thing about it was like, that was November, 2019. Then I went home. I led a retreat to Costa Rica in January. Thank God. That was amazing. But Mm -hmm. thank God that was in January because then, you know, the story, boom, boom, a couple like months later, it was like the whole world was
0: in, in
1: COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So everything went online right yeah so not only my own teaching and which was like hard but also really amazing for a lot Mm -hmm. of yoga teachers in the beginning Mm -hmm. i think because all of a sudden we had like 20 30 people on a zoom and we could make like all this money for one class and it was like wait this is too good to be true let's go people
0: were on zoom than in actual class then?
1: No, like similar amount, but like but the fact that you don't have to go to the studio. Yeah, I wasn't single. paying the studio. Basically, they were just all paying me directly.
0: Oh, yeah, I you didn't. have to rent the space. No,
1: no, I taught from home.
0: But I mean, before you have to. That's how it worked.
1: No, but like you know, like when you're employed by a studio, there's always some cap, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we can only pay max this amount. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is your hourly rate, or like her head, Mm -hmm. this is the cap, Mm -hmm. right? So hmm, Mm -hmm. it was really like an abundant opportunity, honestly. And it it continued to be, and has showed me actually what a gift that was, like getting some of my shit online, because Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's for sure not for most people. Like most people, as I know, would prefer to practice in person, like Mm -hmm. in a space, Mm -hmm. but Online is also actually really cool and it's a viable option. And so with Katona Yoga, like that was a lot of my study. It was online because actually, so the cool thing is I did do Dages' immersion in November and then February before COVID, Abby came to Los Angeles. Mm. So I went to her in LA for four days. So that was already two 30 hour immersions with two extremely powerful teachers that are like literally right below the founder of Katona Yoga, who is Naveen. And, and I'm doing this like she's at the top. But it's not like that. She's in the center. She's in the center <laughs> of a web.
0: But it's not. Hmm? Abby is not the founder.
1: Technically, it's Naveen. But like, uh, let's say maybe Abby was on that journey with yes. her the whole time. So a lot of ideas were being bounced off and Abby helped spread. hmm Oh, like she's the teacher who's been coming to Europe, for instance, mm-hmm. and like you know, really teaching it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So they're both really important. But yeah, it's Naveen. It started with her. So COVID happened. I signed up for like the digital studio online pre-recorded classes with Abbey Studio in New York. So you know, I was really like in, interested in this material, and it was all very new to me. So I wanted to keep studying it, and I very much did it in like an independent study kind of manner. So a lot of it was online like a ton of it was more online than in person Mm -hmm. um so I have gotten in a good rhythm I guess with that being disciplined to do my online practices for me it's fine I mean I will always love to be in a room with people and have teachers adjusting me physically and but I also can derive a lot of greatness out of the online experience and maybe that's because I'm I've been doing this a while, and I am actually a disciplined person, so mm-hmm. I can totally craft a space in my house and do it, yeah, and I'll get a yeah. lot out of it.
0: I have to come to the studio yeah
1: now. and I know a lot of people <laughs> like that, yeah, I know most students are like that, and that's fine, you know I mean, yeah, like so
0: and so you also started your membership then in in that time no
1: that was later (laughs) but i had that idea for a long time and i couldn't quite get my shit together to make it happen in 2016 i think at that time it was like oh youtube Mm, right it was still new Yeah. yeah but now i've realized like okay youtube like that is really a one in a million thing like You know, if you want to really make a career out of that, you have to put so much time in it. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be lucky. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I just was like, I'm going to make my own membership. The people that I know, know me already and want to stay connected with me, like they'll sign up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't start that until late last year. Mm. So it really like took me almost all of COVID, having a baby, like yeah. really pulling out of the corporate mm-hmm. job and team that I had been on for a long time and cultivate a lot of these relationships in San Diego through that job for me to start that. Yeah. So yeah, that wasn't until like two years later or something, but, um, you know, now, basically, I just finished the Katona mentorship. Well, I have a few classes left to do, but I basically have my 200 hours in that. So I'll be Katona certified in addition to yin, yoga therapy, vinyasa, hatha and yasara. You know, it's like a lot of things now. But I love that because I, I can teach whatever. Yep. You can put anybody in front of me, any mixed group of people you want to flow you want to do breath work you want to meditate you want to do stuff on a chair like whatever yeah, yeah. we can yeah. we can do anything
0: and so what do you what do you want to tell people who well two things i guess but well let's focus on the students for now who only have one style that they like to practice mm. what would you tell them I, if, for example for me who, yeah doesn't like ketona at all i still come to your classes (laughs) but yeah what would you tell
1: interesting because i've actually been thinking about this question because i knew you'd talk about this so i think first of all it's super important to know what you like and to know what works for you so i would never diminish that in anybody because you know yourself right Mm. and You're the one who has your own life experience and you know what you want and what you need. So, that is like, first off, that has to be like the first thing said. And Mm -hmm. like, that's the main understanding. Mm -hmm. So, if you know you like flow, fuck yeah. Like, own it and like, do flow. Mm -hmm. Cool, you know? But also, why I give you credit is because you're not closing yourself off necessarily to the things that you don't even know you need or might like yet. Mm -hmm. So, What I would say is that know what you like, own it, and then also just check yourself from time to time and just stay open to having different experiences and doing different styles of practice because no matter what, you're going to change over time. That's just a given. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to be the same static person. Even tomorrow, you know, you will have changed a little bit. There are some things that stay constant, of course, and there are always, like, universal truths and archetypes and things like that. Mm But um, as long as we stay open and receptive, and, like, that's the whole point of coming to class, too, right? Like, if you already know what you need and you want to just do what you want, you stay home and do a personal practice. Because what are you going to get from a teacher mm-hmm. if you're not actually open to, mm-hmm. like, something new and fresh that isn't sourced from you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the whole the reason I think of going to class and, and studying with a teacher is to like gain from them things you couldn't get on your own or like have concepts land in a different way where maybe you understand it in a new sense mm-hmm. in your body and in your practice so also just for the sake of saying it I mean like diversity is the shit basically
0: and as a teacher also you think
1: yeah yeah I just think I'm able to serve more people with the more tools that I have because people are just so different. Like, it's it's actually crazy and wild how people in some ways are the same, mm-hmm. but that they're also wildly different and then everywhere in the middle of that spectrum. So I just think, you know... If you're like a plain Jane type and that's your personality, like maybe you're an A type personality and you like to have a lot of control and you're a little rigid like that and you have your routine, but that's what works for you. Okay, cool. Like maybe you're somebody who thrives on going to Bikram set sequence (laughs) or whatever, Mm -hmm. a language that you speak. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm I am not type A, really. Like, I have some elements of type A. Like, I am a go-getter, and I am, you know, I show up. But I'm also, like, creative and artistic, and I'm kind of, like, weird. I like altered experiences, (laughs) whatever that means, you know? Um, So I just, like, get bored with the same Mm -hmm. thing, and I just need new material. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... Yeah, I just think opening yourself to new experiences is really important. Mm -hmm. And, like, knowing what you like is really important, too. But then also just knowing, like, then we get kind Mm -hmm. of stuck in our preferences. And then there's a point where how much you can grow and learn beyond that, it gets limited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of doing different methods. And even if you don't like it the first time or the first few times, Mm -hmm. going back and trying again... But if it's with a teacher you trust, better, right? Because then at least you know Mm -hmm. this teacher's not bullshitting you. Mm -hmm. Like, you trust them. So if this person trusts and likes whatever they're teaching, there must be something to it, right? So um, is that answering your question at all?
0: Yes, thank you. And um, also we all often say the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. What would you... From a a teacher perspective, you you see so many types of bodies and so many ways of doing a forward bend or any pose, really. So what what do you have to say about that?
1: Okay, so it's really hilarious, actually, that (laughs) I can just see a person practice, Mm -hmm. and I know so much about them. Yeah, tell us! It's (laughs) hilarious. And... It's wild because, um, your mat is a mirror and what you just said, how you do anything is how you do everything. is like so true. Mm-hmm. Like the way you approach stepping forward into a lunge yeah. and how you meticulously set it up so that it's all measured and then everything's in the right place. Like how you sustain it once you're actually up in there for a good few breaths, like all those things can tell me a little piece of your personality. And um, how you do things basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so maybe that's also why I like doing all different kinds of practices mm-hmm. and playing with all different kinds of approaches because I just want to have that varied experience so that no matter what the situation I find myself in it's like I've got all these different mm-hmm. things that I can pull from and it's not just like the one way or the one method And then that's also something I want to say is it's like not this or that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's and. Mm -hmm. And that's something we talk about a lot in Mm Katona Yoga. mm -hmm. Like it's, it doesn't have to be this or that. It can be this and that. Mm -hmm. And it's just about not which one you choose, but like when you choose it. For what appropriate situation. Right? So can you give us an example on the mat and then off? i mean off is obvious but do you have an example an example of like and ah okay so yeah like if you're somebody who you learned warrior one you have your heels in one line Mm -hmm. and then you crank those hips forward and even if your back knee and ankle are like what the fuck talking to you like i don't think this is my biomechanically sound you just push through it because this is the way you learned it's this way okay whereas no, like you can actually step your back foot wider so you're on railroad tracks versus a tight rope with your feet and it will give you so much more range to spiral inward your back thigh and hip that it will be actually pleasurable for you to align your hips forward right and then like see what that frees up above because I guarantee if there's more space and fluency below it's going to translate above so you know you won't I I see a lot of times that very, like, Ashtanga kind of, like, warrior one, heels in a line, feet are together, the shoulders are up here, like, there's, like, (laughs) just no curve happening in the back body, like, I don't even know, you know? (laughs) That doesn't look fun to me, to to practice like that. I think that's an
0: important point, that people should not suffer when they practice. It should feel juicy, and yes, you work your muscles For sure,
1: but not your joints or,
0: you
1: know. I sure don't come to yoga to suffer. Mm. Now, also, (laughs) I know I'm a bit of a unique case because I'm a dancer by background. So yoga, I mean, why did I become a yoga teacher? Probably because I was naturally kind of good at it. It came easy to me. (laughs) It was easy. Okay. So I want to be honest about that. Whereas, like, my husband, like, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't come to yoga to suffer, but it's, like, yin, forget about it. Yeah. Like, he wants vinyasa. Yeah. He doesn't like katana either. He wants vinyasa because he just wants to keep moving, yeah. and he doesn't even want to have to, like, sit in any one thing and realize how tight he is in his body. He wants to just keep moving. He wants to bust out one-legged crow, like... Like it's nothing, and I'm like, damn you! I'm like, ten years, I can't do that. Okay, whatever. Um, but so, so yeah, the the way you do one thing, you do everything. And like the warrior one, like it's just like, just consider exactly, like open the stance a little bit, like open your hands up there, like or warrior two. What I've been finding that I'm teaching a lot is here in Europe, but also in America, like there's this flattening happening in warrior two. Like, I think people feel they need to, yeah. And they feel like they need to spread their hips out in opposite directions, which is just like, doesn't make sense in the way that pose is set up anatomically to do that. It would, if you were like in, um, goddess squat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you've got that back leg turned in, Mm -hmm it's like fitting between two narrow planes of glass and triangle that's another really bad cue from like late 2010s early 2000 whatever
0: it's interesting how it changes it right? has changed
1: so much so much and
0: still, i talk to other yoga teachers and they have other cues or for utkatasana chair for example everybody teaches it a little bit differently yeah.
1: And it's okay. It's cool mm-hmm. because I'm sure at some point I told people to tuck their tailbone.
0: Mm-hmm. I sure did,
1: right? <laughs> but and now I wouldn't say it. But I also wouldn't say just like stick loop. your butt up. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to want to keep your low belly engagement, right? And you're going to want to keep some length in the tailbone.
0: But that's why I think the most important thing, or one of the most important thing, is to empower people to get to know their bodies yes. and to feel into their bodies and to know themselves how much you know you need to tuck or not tuck
1: or whatever and that's yoga right
0: yeah
1: that is yoga and that's why I like to have this conversation of and Mm. because it's just widening the field of the mind for possibility like so that in your warrior too like Let's internally rotate that back leg, bring that hip forward a little bit, bring some of the curve back into your, your ass and your lower back. Again, thank you. Like, that looks more natural and human and beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like, see where it takes you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can see so much about people about how they show up for their so, practice. So you have, like... So type A, for example, is like fast, always ahead of my cues, like know it's coming, like maybe they already get there before I even say it. Um, They are a little more rigid. They like their one way of doing things. And if I offer something a little weird, they might be doing it, but like something's (laughs) tense, you know, or they're just like maybe checked out and they're not doing it at all. Yeah. And like, that's fine too. I don't take it personal. Like whatever, you know, maybe when I was less mature, I used to take things more personal. Now I'm like, whatever. You do you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: Because it's more about them than you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, whereas like somebody who's really go with the flow, like, which is a beautiful thing. Like you can see that too on the mat because maybe they could tighten up and clean up the alignment in some places for boundaries and for safety Mm -hmm. and like foundation. And, um, you know, sometimes those types, it's like, you need to help keep the fire lit Mm -hmm. because maybe they're the type that are just the moment it gets tough, they're going to like drop in a child's pose and be like, forget this. But actually maybe what it would serve them, not every time necessarily, but sometimes it's like, no, keep going. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. don't stop. Mm -hmm. It's here also for
0: them to know when they should take a break and when they can
1: push it a little bit yes, and that's in the muscles and that's ultimately always going to be left to them to decide, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I can help guide, and I, as a teacher, not only you know give you the technical cues and things, but I also help guide you like for some of those bigger questions, like you know when do I stop, when do I keep going mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um how am I approaching this sequence right now or whatever, but it's always going to end and be like your personal Mm -hmm. decision. And and so yoga is really about personal responsibility in that way. Mm -hmm. So the teacher is always going to be there as a guide and support and to, you know, teach you, help you learn. But it's all like, what do you do with that information then? Mm -hmm. Like the teacher can't do anything Mm -hmm. of any of it Mm -hmm. for you. Especially, like you said, like you asked when you're off the mat, mm-hmm. when you're not in the studio, in the practice, that's when it actually really, like, you know what it's doing for you, right? Mm-hmm. Is when you're in a fucked up situation in life and you have to call on the tools of yoga to help you stay centered and calm and grounded and not lose your shit and, like, be emotionally, <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: even keel, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is what it should help you with. Correct. um, yeah,
1: It's a process. It's a process. It's hard. It's lifelong. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We'll always be human. So um, we're always going to contend with that, I think. But yoga is such a beautiful practice for embodiments. And then through that, like the breath and the mind. And and that's why yoga really is this union, you know, by that one translation Mm -hmm. of body, breath, minds. Mm -hmm. Because if you can sync all those up you can braid those things together you get this like fourth entity which is something different than just like you walking around unconsciously not in your body not mm-hmm. connected to your breath
0: yeah I think it can really bring a lot but I think it's really also very easy to
1: go into the ego even more You know, can be the scene. can be so, yeah, like the holier yeah. than thou, or like um, you know, like virtuous. Like um, what is that called? That term when you're kind of like patting yourself on the back for being so virtuous and like so yogic, <laughs> the
0: spiritual. Like uh, I meditate ego. for
1: twenty minutes every morning, <laughs> so you should listen to me. <laughs> like okay. <laughs> No, it's a good point you bring up because, um, also as we know, like all spiritual practices, you get a lot of people that are vulnerable coming into those spaces and they're easily influenced. Mm -hmm. And then if you get like this patriarchal guru student Mm -hmm. setup, like yoga has classically been in that is like a recipe for disaster Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways you're going to get abusive situations coming out of that where somebody is disempowered somebody has too much power Mm -hmm. and what comes out of that Mm -hmm. so fuck yeah all yoga teachers have to have their ego in check especially because it's a big responsibility guiding a room of people you Mm -hmm. know and and they're vulnerable you know Mm -hmm. no matter what even if they're like have their head on their shoulders and it's all good. They're having a fine day. There's still vulnerability there. So for me, that's like an honor and a privilege. So I really take that seriously. And, um, I guess I just hope that as I do and practice more yoga, the ego is never something I want to get rid of. We all need an ego. Mm -hmm. It's like survival, you know, at a basic level. But yeah, just to remember like, okay, I'm the teacher of the student, but then it's flipped also like in a class, you're my teacher and I'm a student, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're all like doing this together Mm -hmm. and we're all learning together and evolving together because it's a collective thing. Mm -hmm. Really? I mean, yoga is personal, of course, and it always will be, but really that's in service of, I think the collective. So I would say this a lot to like my American students, you know, like, cool, you do yoga, great, like, and what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Like, is this all only about kicking up in handstand? Yeah, or is it only about you getting a peak pose or you being super fit or like whatever? Like, mm-hmm. what are you using that elevated consciousness for? Mm-hmm. Is it to go out into your community and like? actually help others and, like, make a difference or, like, even, like, vote, be civil, like, you know, civically involved, like, all those things, you know, are, like, important and matter, so the ego should help fire that stuff up, like, fuel it, but then obviously, you know, the ego will always need to be tamed by, like, spirit and regard because the ego is, like, too personal, it's not it's a kid yeah and it's just not the collective mm-hmm. right so like this thing is good for me great but is it also good for hopefully right you know i'm not just speaking them from my ego but mm-hmm. i'm including you in that conversation yeah.
0: yeah i think it's important to ask yourself as a student why you do yoga but more so even as a teacher why do you teach mm. and this is what we were talking about earlier on podcast. Yeah. Ask yourself, because I got asked, and I said that on other podcasts, but I got asked by the teachers at the first teacher training I took, why do you want to teach? Mm. That's something teachers ask often. And then I used to say and think, yeah, because it's healthy, because it makes me feel so good, and... You just want to share that, yeah. but underneath that, and I speak for myself, but I'm sure a lot. Of, it's the case for a lot of people. You just, I just thought it was cool, and and probably wanted to be liked or just do the cool thing. I mean, I've done that my whole life. Then just, just do the cool next, th- the yeah. the cool next thing, and yeah. So really investigate what what is it do you really want to sh- just share it because you're so selfless and or just it might also evolve af- year after year but yeah
1: and what and speaking to what you just said it sounds pretty innocent to me I mean I actually think there's a lot of heart in that like it made you feel good mm-hmm. and you wanted to be liked and I think that's so human, you know? Yeah, of course. And then the beauty of it is, like, what grows out of that yeah. once you're actually, like, yeah. in the mud doing the work.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think it's a great question. And fuck I don't know why why do I want to teach yoga it's really not to be like rich <laughs> um although I will dispel this myth that if you're a yoga teacher you're like broke and poor and pathetic all the time because that's not true either at least not where I'm coming from where um, I'm coming from yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, um, I don't do it to have the cushy corporate position, that's for sure. But um, gosh, yeah, like I'm just a people person, you know? And I just have always gotten energy from people. I love working with people. I love ultimately to help people. And as I notice the way our societies are set up, how many people really are suffering and struggling on a daily basis for multiple reasons, whether it's physical, emotional, energetic what have you. Um, Yoga is such a beautiful system for addressing so many different layers like outside in of a person and as a collective. I think we're more in a personal address with it now. Um, I would love to see yoga go more collective in its Mm -hmm. higher arching goals at some point, you know, like world peace and equity and stuff. (laughs) It would be cool. But, um, you know, mostly it's just like, hey, I have this... Nine to five job at the office. I have to sit all the time. My back is fucking killing me. Like, help.
0: Yeah. And I think also what I notice when I come here is... Or any... Yeah. Many studios over the years. You build a community in the studio. And it's like-minded people. Such a good point. And I love it. Because, like, yeah. I go... I come here and I see my friends. That is such a good you know? point. So, I think it, it, it serves... People a lot,
1: and in that's the sense. collective yeah. piece, right? Exactly. That's such a good point you brought up. Um, community is huge, and it's like you know when we're doing yoga, like we're doing it in community, like a little like the way we did it this morning. It's like everybody's having a personal experience in community, mm-hmm. but then I think that's really where like the higher yoga starts to come in. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you actually take yoga out of that personal experience into the collective? Mm -hmm. And so that's the beginnings Mm -hmm. of it. And it's just like seeing your friends at studio and like making a connection Mm -hmm. or like planning a coffee date or planning, you know, some piece of art that you're going to work on or like whatever. Often I have big realizations when I'm on the mat. Oh, totally. Because it just opens you up, right? It opens up those lines of communication that get blocked or clogged or stagnant otherwise i mean yoga Mm -hmm. is like an alchemical situation like it's literally manipulating the inside so it's it's opening up those lines of communication and how energy travels so that is like of course Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like we have some of our best thinking
0: or you are but you should (laughs) you're moving so you think of moving first and then the back thoughts are there and then sometimes something comes up
1: yeah you mine for the good stuff Mm -hmm. and it's by like you know doing things in a different way too Mm -hmm. that you're able to get out of that habitual experience and like see something in a new perspective so that is really really powerful
0: and to also come back to what you were saying i always like to share the struggles of whatever, uh, entrepreneurships or mm. uh, yoga is also entrepreneurship. So. Totally. If you want to have success at it, right? <laughs> you got to be good at everything. That's what it's you hard. said at the beginning. Yes. So what would you, what did you learn on your journey? What, what would you recommend to someone starting to teach or
1: wanting to be successful at it or something? Mm, such a good question. So I've learned so much um, and I would say that teaching yoga is like yeah you do have to be quite entrepreneurial i think if you want to get above a baseline of just like i'm just teaching classes in a studio and if you're only ever just teaching classes in a studio you are going to be income wise quite limited although you can't discard it it's like the number one foundation to, because that teaches you how to teach correct yeah. because that's also how you meet people that's how you foster the relationships of trust. Mm-hmm. That's how you home your skills, you know? So mm-hmm. teaching at a studio is not always glamorous, especially those times when you have three people in the class or like One. whatever, <laughs> you know, show or yeah. whatever. You have a yeah. horrible experience. Like I've had plenty of them. Trust me. But you know what, like that comes with the territory. And I promise that, like, that mud of the lotus has so much value. So just show up and just get in, get in the mix and just put yourself out there and just be willing to do it and, like, um, be humble, dude. Everybody's got to start somewhere, and we all kind of have to start at the bottom and make our way up. It's just how it works. So just, you know, put yourself in spaces that make you feel good, though, that make you feel empowered, that you really feel like you can teach from an authentic place. That's super important. Mm-hmm. So having a safe space to be you and do that mm-hmm. is huge and not always easy to understand exactly like where that will be. So sometimes you make mistakes, you know, it's OK. It's w- fine.
0: Were there phases where you thought, fuck all of this, I'm going to stop everything?
1: You know, not really, because I don't know what other choices I would have really had. And also, like, in America, like, okay, go get your master's degree if you want to be, like, in debt by, like, hundreds (laughs) of thousands of dollars. Like, it's totally dumb. Europe has a way better system, by the way, for higher education. You would not have gone to an office or something? That was Mm not an option. I, um, I, um, no, no, (laughs) because I have a strong ego in that way. Like I'm like, I want to be an art in the body and no, that would be really hard for me Mm. to go do something like that. That, and that's also just the type of person that Mm. I am. Like my work in the world is a huge part of my identity. So like that part to me is really important that I have to like actually really love what I do and believe in it. You know, what do I, I think is so important is like showing up to your classes, just meeting people, getting your energy out there. And then once you feel like you've got a good like experience and you kind of know what you're doing, then it's like time to branch out. That's when you start doing your workshops. That's when you start planning retreat. That's when eventually, after some time, please, like, don't just finish your 200 hour and then be like, hey, come to my teacher training. Like, (laughs) I see a lot of you uh, doing that. Stop it. You know, like, hey, maybe after like 10 years, you could lead training
0: courses. Yeah, because that's what brings the money. So that's what people then
1: go out to do. and Yeah. Crazy. But there's a lot of there's so much out there a lot of it isn't good necessarily right because yoga industry has basically no regulation around yeah. it which is in my opinion not a good thing um it's okay for some things but it's generally not helpful yeah. to most people i see a lot of new teachers not even being able to cue properly
0: you yeah know, like, that's scary put, frame your foot with your hands you know or yeah, I don't know. And because
1: 200 hours is nothing.
0: Yeah, but if you, have you know, I, t- I, I took my first teacher training after seven years of practicing. That's awesome. You know, because I was always like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I was not ready. And then, you know, it kind of happens organically when you are ready. And, and so I've had taken so many classes. I knew the cues by heart, yeah. you know. I knew them. And so then I was able to integrate them more, say them properly.
1: Yeah. But I think that's great because personally I've led teacher training courses before that were not sourced for myself, by the way, it was like in-house corporate situation. So I was beholden to teach a specific program, Mm -hmm. which was a good program in a lot of ways, but I'm sorry. If you have somebody coming in to do this teacher training who literally just started yoga six months ago, I have strong opinions about that. Like, I don't think that should be allowed. Yeah. I think you should actually have a minimum of, like, you've been two, practicing three, yeah, yeah. for, like, at least a year or two. Yeah. Before and not you can,
0: once a week.
1: No, before you can even set foot in a teacher training because you're going to slow the whole group down.
0: Mm. And
1: it's not fair. Mm. So, yeah. there's a lot of regulatory issues with yoga on, in the whole globe. Um, so, But I think
0: even as, as individuals, we can assess, you know, self-assess. Yeah. Hey, am I
1: actually ready? Personal responsibility. Mm. 100%. So... Um, there's so much to talk about. I know. I'm like, I get, I get lost, right? Like, there, there's so many different avenues we can go off of. But I guess I want to wrap up that last thought of you for, um, like, entrepreneurial... Mm-hmm spirit and like what that entails and you know so now the latest facet of my entrepreneurialism is like my online membership which I started basically like November, early November last year. And um I have a retreat coming up at the end of June in Italy. Yep. And in my mind and heart, uh for the last year or two I've very much had teacher training courses. Very right here in the forefront that's the kind of next big thing I want to get out um but I've been sort of waiting like for space the mm-hmm. perfect space to do it is it in person is it online is it both it's going to be both yeah going hey like I'm teaching a workshop next weekend you know like I'm not above any of it Let, let's do all of it like yeah.
0: I think right you have to. of
1: course and I've also volunteered and I've taught female parolees in San Diego. That was such a beautiful experience by the way and that just goes to show you like how all humans even if they've had a rough start in life mm. and went to jail for whatever reason that I'm sure was partly their fault but also could have just been shitty circumstances, right? Like on the map they look the same. Mm. They are just like another human, like like somebody in this room this morning, you know? So yoga has this beautiful way of like really recognizing and putting a light on the human spirit and just humanity anyway. And like that's why it's so healing, I think, and why so many people love it mm-hmm. and come back to it mm-hmm. and are curious about it and want to do a teacher training, which is awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. And then also just is so important to recognize like what a responsibility it is, not even just to have your own personal practice, but like just to do yoga in the world and especially to teach it, that is like a big responsibility, you know? So, um, be prepared. <laughs> it's a wild ride, but it's so cool.
0: Yep. I think that will be the last word cool. because we need to wrap up Perfect. because somebody else wants to enter the studio. <laughs> yeah, we better let them
1: in <laughs> and we could keep talking for hours, oh, yes. but we'll not.
0: Yes. Yeah, so just, uh, you will be in Basel teaching at the looking glass until yeah. the end of June. I'll minimum. be here
1: through June at least. So uh, come take yoga, bar, yeah. all the good stuff. Almost every day you're mm-hmm. here and then you have this
0: retreat. Coming up
1: in Calabria, Southern Italy. Two hey. rooms left.
0: Yay! <laughs> it's almost <laughs> sold out. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. And the, what, your website? Yes,
1: kenna.crouch.com. And you can sign up for monthly membership, which gives you access to my virtual library plus live stream classes. Um, you can also just like drop in to online classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, other things happening in the mix. To be revealed.
0: Thank you, Kenna. Thank
1: you, Ophalie. And thank you all for
0: listening. Thank you. Ciao. Bye.